Friends, welcome to the Slaking Thirst podcast, where you'll find the homilies, talks, and reflections of Father Ryan Mann and Father Patrick Schultz of the Diocese of Cleveland. Slaking Thirst is all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, which is also a divine heart, seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts will meet and both thirsts will be slaked. Thanks for joining us on the journey into Christ's desire for us. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. After entering a boat, Jesus made the crossing and came into his own town. And there, people brought to him a paralytic lying on a stretcher. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Courage, child, your sins are forgiven. At that, some of the scribes said to themselves, This man is blaspheming. Jesus knew what they were thinking, and he said, Why do you harbor evil thoughts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Rise and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he then said to the paralytic, Rise, pick up your stretcher, and go home. He rose and went home. When the crowd saw this, they were struck with awe and glorified God who had given authority to men. The Gospel of the Lord. I love this scene from the Gospel, uh, and if you've been watching the Chosen series, they, uh, the way that they depict this scene is, is absolutely beautiful. But I'm going to leave the Gospel aside for this morning. I want to focus in on this first reading because it almost feels like uh, I was, it just feels kind of like an injustice almost that this reading from, uh, that we have from Genesis today, that this is our first reading for a daily Mass. There's so much in this first reading, the near sacrifice of Isaac, that, um, yeah, we could spend hours, weeks, months just unpacking this, but we just get a little daily Mass homily on it. So, all right, so this is such a decisive moment in salvation history, this, this unbelievable event that happens on the mountaintop, right? This is how I guess I want to frame it, it, that what we just heard, this first reading from Genesis, is the beginning of the undoing of the knot of Adam and Eve's disobedience, their fear, their lack of trust, that what's happening in this first reading is the first beginnings of the working out of salvation. Uh, and it's just absolutely critical, right? Because the problem of the fall in Genesis was not simply that Adam and Eve like became atheists and stopped believing in God. The problem was that they believed a lie about God, and they lost trust in him, and they lost faith in him. They became afraid that he was a taker. All, that's what gave birth to their disobedience. The problem was disobedience born of fear and lack of trust and lack of faith, all because they stopped seeing who he was. So, like, hence, if the problem, the knot of the fall was one of disobedience and disbelief and mistrust, the only way to undo that knot, right? If those of you have ever tried to, like, untangle Christmas lights or, like, wires, right? The only way to untangle it is to go the exact route in reverse through an act of a reciprocal human act of obedience in place of disobedience, an act of immense faith. Instead of disbelief, an act of trust, which is why Abraham, we hear it in the first Eucharistic prayer, Abraham, our father in faith, right? He's our model of trust. He's our model of obedience that somehow he believed hope against hope that God, 
even if God should take this son of the promise, that somehow, somehow, like, he would still be faithful, somehow he would still make good on the promise, that somehow he believed against, like, all odds that this was still going to come to fruition, right? I think also we have to, like, I don't know, get out of our imaginations this sort of artistic depiction that history has given us of this scene, that most paintings, most depictions of, of this scene that's called the Akedah, the binding of Isaac, depicts Abraham as this very strong, elderly man, but strong man, like holding down, like Caravaggio's depiction of the scene is, is truly horrifying. So you got this strong Abraham, knife in hand, and he's like pressing down the face of this little like adolescent boy. Like, this is unbelievably awful, right? Okay, that's not... That's not exactly what's going on here. That's not exactly what's going on here. Isaac wasn't this wee little lad um, who was this this hapless victim who's about to be murdered by his dad. According to the ancient rabbis, at the time of the Akedah, this scene, Isaac is about 37 years old. Could you just let that, like, 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 change your imagination on this? He's about 37 years old. That's a very different picture. That leads to very different conclusions, very different implications, that he was strong enough to carry all of the wood for a burnt sacrifice up a mountain. I played a little ultimate frisbee yesterday with the teens outside, and I am like, I am whooped, right? Like, that dude was fit, okay? He was strong, he was healthy, he was fit. If he was strong enough to carry all of this wood up the mountain, he was certainly strong enough if he wanted to, to overpower his hundred-something-year-old dad who was about to, you know, slay, slit his throat. So this isn't, again, this isn't the hapless little boy victim who's about to be murdered by dad. This is a willing victim. This is a willing victim. It, he laid himself down on the wood as a willing sacrifice. It was their faith that allowed this to happen. I mean, you have to imagine all throughout Isaac's life, He was hearing from his dad, hearing from his mom about God's faithfulness, the goodness of their God, the trustworthiness of their God, that he is good, that he is faithful, that he's a God who keeps his promises. In fact, like Isaac, you are the heir of the promise. How much this must have filled his imagination and his heart. And so like Isaac, with trust and confidence and certainly tears, I'm sure he laid himself down upon this altar. So the people... The people whom God would form, the new humanity that he was forming, they had to have this kind of faith. They had to have this obedience, this trust. This had to be in their DNA. It had to be in their blood. Like the people of Israel would be God's people because they were the ones who would open themselves up again in trust and vulnerability to God unlike our first parents who closed themselves off in fear. And the finest flower of Abraham's seed, right, because that was the promise made to him, your seed shall multiply, your offspring shall be innumerable. The finest flower of Abraham's seed is this young virgin of Nazareth who is perfectly faithful and entirely trusting and totally obedient. But she, unlike Abraham, like she did not see the angel stay the hand of the soldier on Calvary, which, by the way, is the same mountain as Moriah, where Abraham was near, where Isaac was nearly sacrificed. So I just want us to like just 
have a different vision of this story and a different appreciation of Abraham, our father in faith, and how all of this, like, again, from the very beginning to from Genesis to Revelation, God's message is the same, which is, will you trust me? Will you open yourself to me? Will you trust me? Amen.